to the Victims Podcast. I am Patrick. Along with Mike. And this is the first <laughs> official episode. This is exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to finally have uh, the co-host or other host on the, on the show. We got a lot of uh, – so far, I will just tell this to you, Mike, because you don't know yet. But we've already got uh, 10 downloads for the first episode, the introduction. So pretty happy with that. Yeah, great. That was only a couple of days ago too. So exactly. Nice to see and, that people checked out the intro. Exactly. And, and there's uh, no, uh, we're not even on uh, iTunes yet, so that's no. pretty good. <laughs> right. And on Twitter, you know, we got some good amount of retweets for the episode too. Hell yeah, man! I honestly, uh, people, was people are interested. That's right. I was kind of worried though about calling us uh, just the name of the podcast. I was worried that people might look at it kind of, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense without saying too much? Oh, what do you mean? Like victims? Yeah, truth? I don't know. Yeah. Like maybe they would just be like, um, which, you know, like we already discussed like, what kind of tone we wanted to have. So by calling the show victims, it's like, which which direction are we going to be? Are we going to be asshole-ish about these people? And I already made it pretty clear in the first uh, introduction episode that that's not the plan. You know, our plan is to, you know, well, keep uh, yeah. it casual. <laughs> Patrick, I think you should go into it again a little bit because some people may say, screw the introduction episode. I want to hear the first episode. So maybe get a little recap. The disclaimer for the show, we really should just be telling you guys, we are going to make certain jokes. This is kind of a comical podcast in a lot of ways where we're not looking at the victims in a negative light. We're going to bring them to the forefront of these crimes. These are the things that we should be talking about, not glorifying the bad guy. It doesn't make sense. You know, Batman is the the guy that's on the front of the comic books. He's the hero. He, his name is in the title, not the Joker. And that's how we want to kind of perceive it this way, where it's like the guys who actually were the victims or survivors of these people should be more in the light instead of glorifying, like I said, the perpetrators of the crimes. And that's what yeah, a lot of podcasts screw... do, a lot of people do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to jump in and say, screw no, the Joker. Screw the Penguin. <laughs> screw the Riddler. Batman is where it's at. That's We're talking right. about the heroes here. And he's a, he's a survivor in a lot of ways because he, his parents, right in front of him, survived. He's a victim. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy to make the connection. Not to say right. that, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously not real life. We're going to be talking about real life stuff. And today's episode is specifically interesting because during my research, and I'm sure you probably found the same thing, I, I believe this case has finally been solved. Yeah, it I seems like it just a couple of years ago. That's what I thought. It had to be recently, and I, I'm definitely going to be looking to uh, talk about that because I don't really know much about it. I just kind of saw – in the research, you're just like, oh, shit, it's been solved. That's interesting. Didn't look into it too deep because I want to surprise myself just as much. You know, yeah, but... rather – well, maybe it's solved or they just settled on it. Right. Who yeah. knows? Because the details with the, the people that we're going to – semi-focus on the the people that took claim to this in the beginning will definitely be uh looking into them but nonetheless man let's talk about we're going to start every episode with a, a weekly update in a lot of senses where we just talk about ourselves things going on with our podcast on the other side of this podcast as well as just our lives in general and keep you guys interested in who we are not just the product that we deliver So what's been going on, man? I know you host the Bottom Line Wrestling Podcast, Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was like a, uh, you know, a secondary dad to me. I can't. I, I never even thought about doing a podcast about, you know, using him as my baseline. I guess right. So what's it like, man? 
you get a lot of interest from people on the outside that love Stone Cold just as much. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the support that we have for the podcast. It's been great and it's so enjoyable because that's my favorite point of my fandom in wrestling and I'm still a fan of wrestling to this day even though it's not as good as it was but you know, I'm one of those lifelong kind of guys I get into something as a child I just carry on with it this very it's day yeah for sure <laughs> really and when I, I used to do a wrestling podcast about three years ago with the buddy that I still do it with JV and we had a few other friends so it was like this big team of guys and we did this podcast called the Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast that's great. And it was like the typical podcast where, typical wrestling podcast where we just go over recent things and news and shit. And it was fun at the time because we were all just getting together and we actually had a studio with like good equipment and everything. Hell yeah. So it was really cool. And we also got local wrestlers involved from Massachusetts. That's where I'm from, uh, from the Northeast. So we had a lot of pretty good wrestlers that were in the Indies. Oh, yeah. Have. Actually, some of them have blossomed to uh, pretty decent careers, like Benny Marcelli, uh, TKO Ryan, who wrestle in uh, Ring of Honor wrestling. Nice. So yeah, so it seems to be a pretty big. Uh, I would honestly say a cult following, because this has been around. I mean, it really hit the height in the early '80s, very start of the '80s. Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, stuff like that, and it's just blossomed into something. You know, to use your word specifically, it's blossomed into something that is unbelievable at this point to me. Oh yeah, right, right from the mid '80s with Hulkamania and then WrestleMania, and it took it to another level with the MTV audience, and, and it kept growing mm-hmm. from there. But then there was a little low in the early '90s, and that led us to the mid '90s, which kind of sucked ass too. Right. And then Stone Cold came around, and mm-hmm. the NWO on the other side with WCW. Oh yeah, have that all converging together. You have this big blow up, and now they're competing, so everyone's on their A game. So it just led to some great shit back in the mid-90s, which is when oh, I was sure. a teenager. Oh, yeah. It was hard not to watch wrestling. Honestly, I was an, I was obsessed to the point where I didn't even have the ability to watch it at my house. So I would make friends with somebody who might have had cable. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, hey, man, <laughs> it's wrestling time. We got to watch it. I don't even like wrestling. Uh, trust me. You'll enjoy it. And I didn't care if you did or not. I'm going to watch it, you know. But honestly, uh, and this is just purely my speculation – I had this general idea because I'm a huge UFC fan. I do MMA and all that good shit. I'm not uh, an asshole in that sense. I don't. It's not a bullying thing. It's a. It's an art. You know what I'm right. saying? And it's mostly wrestling and jujitsu. I'm not a stand-up fighter. I am Irish, but nonetheless, my obsession with it all grew from kung fu movies as a child, and then. WCW, WWE, all those moves. I don't know how many times I tried to choke slam my cousin. You know, that's that's a great move. Same thing with the Stone Cold Stunner, even though it hurts your ass. <laughs> but it is. I was a big, I was a big fan myself of doing the power bomb. <laughs> oh, that's a good one as well. If you could get him up there, the pile driver is pretty easy, but it's most definitely dangerous. Oh, Let me tell you this quick story. This is a story that I'm going to use in my stand up bit, as a stand up bit. I haven't figured out how to write it yet, but uh, yeah, I also do stand up. I'm. A virtuoso of many things, yeah. man. Not to not to toot my own horn or anything, but I'd you rather do. fail. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd rather take a chance and fail and, rather than not do it at all. But I have this bit where I, you, you remember how awesome trampolines were when it came to wrestling moves and wrestling. Period. When you were a kid, having a trampoline, wrestling for sure. <laughs> now I had this friend who was uh, he was way too big. 
to ever be on a trampoline just a big big guy and uh <laughs> he would just stand on the side of the trampoline as we jumped around and there was this consistent thing where you would act like you were gonna stone cold stun yourself and you would kind of just wrap your own arm around your neck and go down like you got stunned now he was like he basically challenged me and was like oh i can do it better than that i can do it better than that i'm like okay let's see now you know how there's that padding that goes around the springs Ugh, yeah for the frame okay yep. well apparently he he thought that this thing was like pillow soft because he went and stone cold stunted himself right onto that metal frame of the trampoline on he was standing on the ground smashed his face onto this thing and broke his nose dude oh, it was man. the funniest thing i probably have seen in a very very long time just the re- his face afterwards all i could think is like yeah you you won i didn't have blood like there's so many reasons why you did better than me unfortunately you're not smart enough to realize that the trampoline has to be held up by something other than i don't know cotton i guess <laughs> what did you think it was you know like that's insane what do you think was there <laughs> exactly you fool still well, all around the corners there exactly all, the like, corners the, this is the first time you've seen a trampoline what's wrong with you like <laughs> geez i don't i don't know but it was still to this day i honestly wish i could ask the kid you know i still kind of talk to him like, man you know is your shit still fucked up it's got to be messed up a little bit i mean <laughs> it's got to be because he really smashed it dude it was he wanted to win <laughs> and he won for sure but uh, yeah, you won and so lost. <laughs> for as far as my like uh, weekly update, you know, I'm a I'll, I'll say is along the lines where we are going. Let's go back a little bit. I was just saying that I'm a UFC fan, WWE fan. My whole thing with it was is after really it was after Stone Cold Steve Austin stopped being the mainstay of WWE where I kind of fell away from it. Like I was even in, into like the Sunday night Smackdowns that kind of came on really 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 late on regular TV when you had five channels. Oh and, uh, no. It was just a replay of the one that had, you know what I mean? Like happened. It was the yeah. Saturday, uh, it was Saturday night shot, um, shot, shotgun Saturday night. They always have Saturday. crazy names and they still do. Yeah. But I, my, I fell out, like I said, of this and, and, and I ultimately started to create this own argument within myself. Like how can something like the WWE still manage to exist when there's so much real fighting? real stuff i mean these guys are of course superior athletes for sure and they're doing something that is consistently dangerous and as uh, i believe uh joe rogan had just recently said during his uh podcast with ron funches who's a huge uh wwe fan aew all that stuff he was uh he had said that these guys are doing it on almost a daily basis this kind of rigorous slamming lifting all this different shit whereas trained fighters take months and months in between to right. train and they don't do it so vigorous day to day as these other guys do so i can definitely see the interest in that but my whole thing is like how how in your mind can you answer that question and tell me how it has managed to last when there is something like the ufc that has came out where guys are really getting slammed guys are really getting punched and there is uh, i don't know i guess real blood even though i'm sure they do definitely bleed you know from wwe is is there an explanation there is it just the fucking fan base was too big to fail uh, basically, it comes down to what Vince McGann would say is that it's entertainment. So people are going to watch it regardless of whether or not it's actual fighting or not because there's storylines, there's, there's intrigue, and people just want to know what's coming next. It's like yeah. watching a soap opera. Days of Our Lives has been on for you know, the for 30 years. And people just want to know what's going to happen next if they've been it, watching it. <laughs> I call it the manliest soap opera. Soap opera. 
Yeah, for exactly. Sure. That's and really what it is. You're right. You're right. It'll piss some wrestling fans off the, when they hear that, but that's <laughs> the reality of it. Is that if we're bringing story. wrestling fans into this show, we're killing it for <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like, like you said, I mean, and that's got to be 100% the case because I feel like that's why a lot of even huge fans of WWE haven't switched over and watched something like the UFC because there is no backstory. You don't know who these guys are. They're nameless faces, really. They're going in there and beating each other up to a pulp, and it really doesn't mean anything because you have no ties there, to them. There is some crossover. I definitely feel like there is crossover because people that enjoy WWE, WWF, wrestling in general, do like fighting and yes, do like the sport should. of it. So they will watch UFC just like you do. For sure. So there it's, is that crossover appeal. And the obsession. Look, if you look at, if you're, do you watch UFC at all? MMA? You know anything about I it? I do. I know a little bit, but not like you. But Dude, I, all I the champions are wrestlers. Literally. Every right. champion in UFC wrestlers. right now are wrestlers. That, you, that is the you gotta know how to take down somebody. Yes. And defend it, because you can't right. punch a guy in the head if you're getting taken down. Period. Nobody realizes that. That's the first thing that I teach. Like, yep. I've taught people shit, and it's like, I'm going to teach you how to wrestle first. Oh, I want to punch somebody. I want to knock him out. Yeah, no. well, yeah. what if they're taking your legs out from underneath you? You exactly. have no power. I don't care if you can punch me in the head while we're two inches apart of each other. That's not going to cause as much damage as your full reach. You know what I'm saying? It's a whole different thing. But yeah, guys, so <laughs> for That's the why somebody there, like Brock Lesnar, with, yeah. when people think, oh, he's in WWE, well, he's a trained amateur wrestler. He knows yes. what he's doing Collegiate when he's in there. Up, <laughs> he can hundreds, do both. He can knock you out and he can take you down. That's right. I mean, even like the likes of CM Punk are legit and probable to see him win, to actually do well. Because like you said, when these guys do cross over, the Brock Lesnar's, the Batista, the CM Punk's, when they do come over, there's such a huge draw because those guys, you kind of know who they are because of this backstory that has been created by the WWE because of the character. CM Punk came over to fight in MMA as CM Punk. He didn't change, you know what I'm saying? Right. He ultimately was still that guy, but in a real octagon setting, real fight. And I mean, he lost twice and it was an embarrassment, but still, like, come on. Yeah. I mean, even Dave Batista did okay, but Brock Lesnar is, I mean, regardless of, you could look at even like someone like the big show, Andre the Giant. Put those gloves on those dudes and have them fight guys their size for real, it'd be insanity. You'd lose your mind watching that. You're like, someone's going to get destroyed. Someone's going to die, <laughs> for yeah. sure. Those dudes wear lunch boxes. You know what I mean? It's insane. But, and then, like I said, you got people like Brock Lesnar competing against guys that are easily half his size. And like Cain Velasquez, I can't, couldn't believe he beat him, Alistair Overeem. It was insane. But you got to look forward to the fact that wrestling is the end-all, be-all type thing. It is the best fighting style, I think, that there is out there. And if you combine that with the ability to punch somebody, as well as being able to tap them out on the ground, you're undefeated. Habib Nurmagomedov, 27-0, champion, killing him beating a guy who's who fought Floyd Mayweather, you know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, in keeping with what we're trying to well, do here, let me just uh, jump in one more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. <clears throat> I, I feel like we definitely need to note that the a lot of the early success of UFC and what it's become now, people often forget that WWF was a huge supporter of UFC. They promoted the earliest pay-per-views of UFC on their shows mm -hmm. and they had a working agreement. They even brought in Jamrock and Severin. That's right, yeah. Into WWF in that early, in those early years. Oh, like yeah. Within like the first That's 10 UFC. That's where I UFC. knew Jamrock from. That was the only place I knew right. him from. I was like, that dude really fights? And, <laughs> you know, that helped bring an audience to UFC. Mm -hmm. Like, 
oh, they're they're tied with this pay per view because WWF ran the pay per view show. Yeah, for you know, sure. At that they, point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, now yeah. they're supporting UFC. It's like, oh, let me check out this other wrestling that's like real wrestling, real fighting. Yep. And, and I mean, that back, them then, out back then, back then, when they needed it. After that, for they sure. kind of blew up on their own and became their own. Yep, and it kind of just make I don't know what the relationship is like between Vince McMahon and Dana White. It seems like they're kind of the same guy <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's, that's something it, maybe we can look into a little bit and talk about someday. Maybe we'll get him on the show at some point. We'll get him over <laughs> yeah. on the Victims Podcast and talk to him. That would be the strangest thing. Like, hey, guys, you want to be on this podcast where we talk about... We talk about death, but, uh, you know, I think could be honestly, what we've segment done, and talk about wrestling and UFC. Yes. Uh, what we have done here is I think we've honestly started to create a whole other show. And uh, we might be talking about something a little bit different here after we get off this podcast because this, this could be very interesting. Who knows where it could go? I mean, clearly we have great dialogue and have... Uh, diverse opinions about the stuff but also the same kind of uh upbringing and ideas so who knows where this could go as far as sports talk but let's get into this true crime man because i know that's why the people are here hey guys just want to take a second away from the show to tell you a little bit about dollarblazeclub.com that's right dollarblazeclub.com is offering our listeners a 25 percent discount on their amazing products right now you're looking at pre-rolled cones, lighters, stickers. They have some amazing reviews on Leafly.com. It is a legit thing. Get your 25% off discount through this show alone. It is the highest discount you can get for this product. Go to dollarblazeclub.com right now and use promo code STAYWOKE for 25% off. And always be ready to blaze. That's promo code STAYWOKE. And now, back to our show. You know, they're here to, uh, I don't know, I feel like that's why they're here. Otherwise, you just clicked on a really strange podcast and found yourself <laughs> listening to us talk about, <laughs> I don't know, fighting, I guess, really. But um, yeah, uh, today we're going to be looking at one of the more famous, I would say, well, no, survivor well, no. cases, victim cases, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's Adam Walsh, okay? If you guys clicked on this, we're probably going to, the title of the show is probably something along the lines of Adam Walsh. I don't know if I'm going to actually, we'll see. Nonetheless... <laughs> We're here talking about Adam Walsh, and we wanted him to be the first one because not only is there the idea that, as far as what I know right now, that he the the case was solved. Just if you search Adam Walsh right now on Google, you will see that there is a bunch of articles about the case being solved. Uh, this took place in Jackson, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. Sorry, I was in Hollywood, and, Florida. Yeah, Mall. yeah. It was – that's what I tried to mention before I got cut off. I, I mixed up my uh, shit. But uh, Jacksonville, Florida is kind of like the bigger place, right? But this yeah, actually, that's the metro, yeah, metropolitan yeah. area. So they actually all – this happened in like a very populated area. You know, Hollywood, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. It is what, – what is that Fort like? Fort Lauderdale area. That's right. But I, I kind of wanted to focus on Jacksonville for this specific thing because it kind of ties in the first people to really make claims on this actual crime. But uh, Jacksonville is actually known for – it was named originally uh, Cowford. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, C-O-W-F-O-R-D, Cowford. And uh, I feel like that would have just threw everyone – you're not going to go to Cowford, Florida. That's <laughs> not going to be a you know a destination area. I don't know how well Jacksonville is, but it's definitely more popular and sounds more inviting. But uh, they changed the name eventually to Jacksonville after uh, the president, Andrew Jackson – because he was their first official military governor. 
And uh, honestly, you wouldn't know these things unless you loved Florida <laughs> or you love history. And uh, I love neither of those, but nonetheless, we'll give you this information. Well, the thing is, Andrew Jackson, he killed a bunch of Native Americans down in Florida. Well, there you go. Yeah. I think he also he had owned some sort of amount of land there as well. That's why they also gave him this uh, title. But uh, Jacksonville is a city where the blues was first officially performed. Uh, the word was used to describe a performance in La Villa in uh, 1910. So a long time ago. Um, it's a very interesting place. I feel like I've never been there, but I feel like I hear a lot about it. Right? Yeah, I heard a lot of nasty things about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's never like Jacksonville. Jaguars. That's where I want to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So far and free between where it's like, yes, let's, let's go get some property there and stay there. Um, in weird uh, amphibian news, the creature from the Black Lagoon was actually shot in Jacksonville. You know that old film? Yeah. Uh, during the 1910s as well, uh, over two dozen silent film studios opened up in the city. It was a major film center before Hollywood became the main player in the business. So they were, yeah, good thing they got out of Florida, man. Who knew if there would have been so many people trying to get into Hollywood if they had to go to Florida? Well, maybe that's why Hollywood, Florida is named as it is. Aptly. Yeah, they're like, we're just going to try and confuse them. I hear Hollywood's great. We were supposed to be the original Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah. I I just imagine it, like, looking like uh, Hollywood, California, but everything's, like, really old. Like, it's almost in uh, Cyan. Or not Cyan. What's that? Uh, Sepia? Sepia? Sepia. Sepia. (laughs) It just looks nostalgic, like it's been there for way too long. Like, this was Hollywood, guys. Look. We have the same things, almost. The Hollywood sign is still there, but it's, like, on a small... Not even really a hill. (laughs) Just, like, a... It's just there. A little mound. Yeah. Spelled wrong. (laughs) Letters missing, of course. Uh, Like I said, it was originally called Calford because it was uh, full of cattle, and it was herded across the St. John's River in the area. Uh, Some of the oldest pottery remnants ever unearthed were actually found in Jacksonville, dating back to around 2500 B.C. That's old shit, man. It just makes you wonder what they do with that stuff. Like, I know they put a lot of it in museums, but you gotta imagine they unearth a lot of old pottery type stuff because it just it doesn't disappear. Like, I would use it. Fuck. Look, here's this old ass bowl. Yeah, I'm eating cereal out of it. What's up? <laughs> they didn't even have cereal back then. What would they like? They're just probably collecting. Like, yeah, they had cereal crops. They just had wheat. They had grains, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, and it just looked straight like like you would picture grains in a bowl, just dry, just the worst. <laughs> Uh, the worst kind of freaking oatmeal. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Uh, Elvis Presley actually performed his first indoor concert as a headlining act in uh, the theater in Jacksonville in 1956. Pretty interesting. Who's Elvis Presley, though? I feel like I hear a lot about that guy. All sure <laughs> up. Uh, the Ritz Theater, that was built in 1929, is a mecca for African-American culture in the state. The Ritz Theater. Sounds pretty nice. I actually have a friend with the last name Ritz. No relation to the uh, cracker. Oh, so my joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, Cab Calloway, and other jazz legends actually performed at the Ritz Theater in its early days. Uh, Ray Charles played there for a year as a teenager. Yeah, it's, it's not far from Atlanta. It just makes you wonder, Georgia. like, oh. being one of the, a, a person that sees opening acts for the first time, and then seeing them become huge, famous people. I got autographs. Let's go back to the wrestling thing. I got some autographs, I believe, uh, back in the day at, <laughs> at what I would say is a Kmart, I think. 
uh, two wrestlers, oh. and it was a big deal. Like my mom knew I was really into wrestling, so she like made me go to this thing. And because I was so into wrestling, I'm like, these are not dudes I know. <laughs> <laughs> these guys shouldn't be signing autographs because I haven't. If I don't know who they are, they have not made it yet. <laughs> That's it, you know. But it just kind of makes you wonder, like. If I think back about who it was, what if it was like Hardcore Holly or some shit? Which I think it might have had something to do with them. Like, oh, I thought you were gonna say who they were. <laughs> oh damn, no, that would have been nuts. Right? Yeah, I, I cannot remember for the slightest. I have no idea, but I, I will say I have been to a live wrestling event, and the scariest shit ever at a live wrestling event was when Kane was at the height of fucking Kane. When he, it was when um the foundation was a thing. Yeah. The Rock. Man's oh. group. Yep. Yep. And uh, corporation. Kane, yeah, there you go. There you go. I don't know why I said foundation. What am I thinking? What was that like? Uh, Bradshaw? Hmm. No. Foundation. The Hot Foundation was uh, Bret Hart, Jim Anvil. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But then yeah, later <laughs> was the Corporation, McMahon, <laughs> Big go. Boss yeah, Man. And... That was a cool one, man. Like, I, I late ninety like, eight, ninety nine. Hell yeah. Uh, the when Kane came out, yeah, my mom was like, "Go take pictures," because I loved him. But it's like, I don't. Want... That dude's scary as shit. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and now it's like, oh, he's just a. Uh, he's a corporate guy now. So, well, now uh, he's now he's the mayor of Knoxville County. That's right. Yeah, still strange looking guy, but it's like he looks like I'd shake his hand and shit now. <laughs> Back then, it's like no, I'm not gonna no. I don't know what he looks like under that mask. I heard he's been on fire. <laughs> not gonna be good, mom. Don't need that picture. Thank you. Because if he sees me, he's just gonna take me. Like I just knew that. Even from a distance, if he made eye contact, I'm dead. Then I'm gone. Like even if he didn't ever came near me, it's just like my soul. What's up, guys? Just want to take a second away from the show to tell you about Muslim backpacks. I know traveling is kind of inconvenient, especially if you don't have the right attire. And I'm talking not just your clothes, I'm talking all the way down to your luggage. Why not get a backpack that also transitions into a duffel bag? Head over to muslim.com, that's M-U-Z-M-M.com slash Seamus10 for 10% off of this amazing product. Why not travel in style? Why not travel conveniently? Muslim Backpacks, the best way to travel. Visit muslimbackpacks.com slash Seamus10 for 10% off today. And now, back to our show. Alright, so there's a little bit of history for you guys about uh, Jacksonville. Like I said, if you don't if you're not a fan of Florida or Jacksonville or history in general, none of this mattered, really. I don't. <laughs> I, mean, to, I had to you look at give you perspective <laughs> on what's going on. So that's true. Regardless that's true. if you're a fan or not, you need to know it. <laughs> yes, and for the ten of you that have already uh, dedicated yourself to the first episode, you can see we're 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 creating kind of in the moment. You know, we want to make sure that we have a proper format uh, to a certain degree. But this is our first official episode, so uh, take our lack of format as uh, as as it is. I, guess, I don't know. It'll get better. I promise. It's a working format, everybody. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Adam actually right now. Let's talk about you know more about him. And I will say, first thing I want to say is. Uh, you know, he was a six-year-old man, and I, I try to think back to when I was six years old, and, you know, it was back in the early 90s, I would say. All right, so let's and, give uh, the audience a little gauge of what, where we are. So, when were you born? Yeah, he, 
this is a I would say he was uh, six years old in 1981. No, but like in terms of us, like how old were you? Oh, in uh, at this point, or just in general? In general. Uh, I'm 30 years old now. Uh, I'll be 31 in a few months. So 89, maybe or 88. 88. Yep. All right. So I was born in 1983. So, so even pretty close. Not to this too far thing. off, but yeah. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, hell yeah. So we got we got kind of got the same timeline here, same scope of. That's why the yep. wrestling thing kind of <laughs> hit the same yeah, hit the same yeah. place. Uh, crazily enough, though, I will say that this incident took place, and Adam Adam Walsh, who is the son of world-renowned, I don't know, uh, criminal tracker John Walsh. From the hit TV show America's Most Wanted, as well as what uh, the Hunt with John Walsh, the hunt he's done in a pursuit. bunch of stuff. Yep. Yeah, he's a very well-known dude, and he he fucking looks angry all the time. And I feel like maybe he needs to be like, angry all the time. Yeah, a situation like this probably calls for that face. Like you're just gonna have resting like dick face. That's just what it is. But yeah. uh, uh, oddly enough, though, this Adam Walsh was actually taken uh, July 27, nineteen eighty one. And I was born July 27, 1988. So oh. it, there's a weird connection there. And I noticed it just in the research. Like, wow, that's uh, creepy for me. I don't know. I didn't like it. But uh, this all went down in Hollywood, Florida. And as we know, I think John Walsh was definitely some sort of uh, his, his dad was a prosecutor or an attorney of some sort, right? I think. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to be, I don't want to talk out of school here. Do you know more about the dad? I just know he was involved in real estate. I, I'm pretty sure it was real estate. I could be wrong, but that's that's what I gathered from the the little research that I was able to do. But yeah, yeah, yeah. On John Walsh himself any... before being an advocate for victim rights and all that. Yeah, he was. And now, I mean, I would feel like if I was a parent of this situation, how how you'd feel kind of like you didn't do anything if you didn't start some sort of organization or get a, you know what I mean? Do something to continue to look for even not just your kid, but other kids, other victims, you know what I mean? How could you not put your effort out there? No, and he totally did. He, from the moment that he was notified, he left where he was and I believe it was Miami, which was like 45 miles away from Hollywood, Florida. He drove straight there and had some run-ins with the police that kind of didn't give a shit about what was going on and they yeah. kind of just pawned it off as like oh you know that's what kids do they they run away and you know they just walk home mm-hmm. and john walsh is like he's six years old he's never walked anywhere in his life by himself never he's gonna know how to get home which is five miles away from here not happening so it was kind of just like at the time they didn't give a shit really right. they had no protocol for kidnappings mm-hmm. and I guess this was their first kidnapping in Hollywood Florida according to what wow. John Walsh has said that was the very yeah, first honestly, case let's look I have uh, I have something here that kind of is in relation to that because I was just reading uh, let's see there was a second I don't know if this was he was the first one if Adam was the first one to be taken but there was definitely more after him which is kind of odd, you know, and thinking about the, you know, the correlation between the police is, you know, the policing <laughs> and right. these the tragedies. Take, yeah, exactly. 
it says uh, this tragedy actually came just two years after another six-year-old uh, Eaton Pats disappeared while walking to a school bus stop. Uh, so, uh, soon Adam became the new and literal poster child for a movement to stop child snatchers. So two years after an, uh, Eaton Pats was taken, this happened. So there happened to be another kidnapping, I guess. So maybe John was a little far off. But nonetheless, it had to be... I mean, like I was trying to make the connection with myself and my age, what I was like at six years old, and I'm sure you would too, because we remember those damn game demos that they have yeah. at all the stores. You know, I don't, they still kind of have them certain places. But right, I remember so just, the obsession. But just to point out what people might not know what you're saying is that Adam was at Sears and he was with his mother, and there was this setup for an Atari. Mm-hmm. And back in 1981, and Adam wanted to watch kids play Atari, and his mother let him. And what 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 was your thoughts on that? Well, basically, like, and Sears for the people that don't know Sears, I don't know. If, honestly, I feel like maybe this situation caused them to kind of fall out. It just became I don't know. I only remember going there like maybe 10 or 12 times in my lifetime, and there was one right in my city, and it was pretty much dead. You know, it was in a place where no nothing else was. I don't know if this is a cause from that, but nonetheless, it's a huge like department store. Basically, they have everything you'd probably need. You know, uh, everything from hardware to clothing to shoes, right? All this stuff, cosmetics, and they were obviously selling video games and stuff like that back then. And this is the height of video games and being a kid of any sort. A new video game, something that's never really even been seen before, and you're going to be interested. You're going to want to check it out, regardless. And he was just standing there checking it out, watching other kids, right? And according to these psychopaths, you know, these guys that actually tried to state claim for this uh, crime, we don't know for sure yet until the end of this episode whether or not they're the ones that are, they got the charges, you know, when they, 27 years later, whatever they said, you know, the article I told. This has been solved, and I don't know if it has to do with these two guys, but nonetheless, allegedly, Otis Toole and Henry Lee Lucas are the ones that are kind of highly associated with this crime, with the disappearance of Adam from the very start. To the point where I believe John Walsh... uh, you know, he, he, I don't know, he was not, right, he, he had a thing against Otis, I believe, at a certain time, where he was, he really believed that he was the guy. Oh, and that's what he had finally settled on just a mm-hmm. few years ago, is that he finally accepted that so that's, Otis is the killer. For sure. No, that's the strange thing, you know, it, it, seems, it looks like his name is Otis, but it's actually Otis. Yeah, I know. Otis. Yeah, I hated that podcast. <laughs> I was like, that, it sounds but, uh, so dumb. I know, Otis. Like, he's yeah. an otter. <laughs> but, uh, but Otis, had apparently he'd been involved in many murders and a bunch of bullshit before this, too. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. It's not yeah. good. It's all bad. Right. And yeah, so same thing with Henry Lee Lucas. But that's what so, it's Oh, yeah, you of... get these big-time uh, track records for both of these guys. Mm-hmm. They have murders under their belt. So let's and... hold on. Let's stop you that right there because let's okay. go back to when you were six years old. All if right. you saw a man that looked either like Henry Lee Lucas or Otis Toole approach you anywhere. Are you going to leave with that dude to go get some fucking candy out of his car at six years old? 
you see that face. Either face. Oh, uh, I, hell no! I, dude. I mean, they look creepy. I mean, they don't thinking, look like regular dudes. Now, thinking now, I, of course I say that, but even thinking back to when I was a six-year-old, I mean, I know I was raised with, you know, you don't talk to strangers, and mm-hmm. sixth grade, uh, six years old rather, I was in kindergarten. I was still getting rides to school at that point, so I wasn't just left to my own devices. But I remember. Exactly. Being First instance, in... you look for your mom. You look at you at least look to see where mom is to right. see if she's noticing the situation at hand. That's first instinct, I would feel. You looked, where's mom? Does she did she send him over here? There's things going through your head, like I need answers to all these questions in my mind, right. rather than yes, candy is so good, I need free candy right now. Yeah. Not not to say anything I mean you're it's a six year old, of course, and this is nineteen eighty one. What was candy like back then? Was it that obscure? That you needed to get it from somebody else, right? Like kids that's were just, just not like a, candy that, like that. I don't know. That's just like a bullshit thing. Get candy from right. a stranger. Yeah. But um, <laughs> how? Do, that's what I'm saying though. Like my thing is, it's like okay, when you're six, when you're a young child, when somebody has a face like these guys, they don't look friendly. How can you? They look like the guy from the fucking Dennis the Menace movie that Christopher Lloyd played. Yeah, you know, the, exactly. Right? That they look. That's scary. great comparison. That's exactly who this guy <laughs> that is. That does not look like a friend. I'm not going to go eat beans with the fellow. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I was just going to say I don't care beans. how old you are. The guy looked like a monster. And at that point, you know what a monster looks like, right? So when that thing come up to you and says, hey, friend, uh, no, walk away, dude. That thing looks gross. He smells. Uh, Otis had fucking, what, five or six teeth? You yeah. know what I'm saying? The dude didn't look friendly. So I, I, think, I don't know how you fall for that. I think the thing might be, though, that Good children are raised to have manners, and they might just have manners enough to stop to hear what the person has to say. And that moment of weakness of just stopping to hear what they have to say might be enough for a monster to just grab them. Yeah, I was. I guess I. I can honestly say I was. I was definitely a dickhead when I was a kid. Like I, I kicked a (laughs) a grown man in his nuts when he picked me up in church. (laughs) I don't care. Oh, there you go. Don't touch me. So I kind of knew better, but like, it, not to but, say anything negative about Adam because he really he was still a kid, no matter no, but, what, no matter what, right? Still a child, and in that mindset, video games, other kids around, I don't know. You could have fall. It would. It seems like it might have been a little easier. You could be more susceptible. But at the same time, you really have to look at, and this is what I want to do. I want to look at the parents because you have to kind of be like, whoa, mom was over buying a fucking lamp and left kid over here doing this and i'm sorry but uh i don't care what year or decade it was you don't do that with uh, a six-year-old i know that kid stays next to you he's at your hip i remember not being able to uh let go of the cart in many places i went to yeah. it was a thing you know it was like holding a pocket in jail like you're gonna be that dude's friend for a while and <laughs> jokes guys trying to break up yeah. the yeah <laughs> of course the color but, of that though i can remember being not that much older maybe like eight or nine and we'd go to the department stores like sears we'd go to i mean i don't know what stores exactly you had but you know typical department stores here in the northeast yeah. and i would go with my grandparents or with my with my mother and when we go in the store i was like all right i'm going to the toy section and i'd go to the toy section yeah. and they knew i was going to be there I don't know if they were like maybe keeping an eye on me on their own, but I mean, I felt like I had my own freedom and I was by myself. Is it is it that your parents? Oh no, these are uh, this is a question straight to you. Is it 
your parents that would be okay with the idea that you would be fine you would do something to make sure that if something went down you'd be okay or is it there the idea that the trust in the employees that work at the place you know because back then you were kind of just like there nothing should happen nothing should happen i I think that's the basic that's how a lot of people think and that's kind of the naivete of it all is that you just have hope and that people are good people we're not saying anybody's at fault here period that's the whole thing i'm not saying anyone's at fault it's just in that think about it i know well because like you are and like i am and like many of our listeners are we are so like into this true crime shit that it's in our minds a lot that i would never go to a store and just you know even if my daughter's nine years old just let her go i gotta be around because i hear stories yeah, I hate the I hate and, the and true crime stories were not. Stuff, but I'll go down that aisle. <laughs> I will. But true crime stories weren't prevalent in 1981 or 1989 when I was six, or even yeah. in 1995 when you were six. It's There's, just the. I mean, the time periods do matter, regardless. Exactly, we, and we are educating in a lot of ways. Just basic instinct in a lot of ways, you know, but, a, a common sense sometimes. Or lack thereof. I mean, the other thing that we really have to think about too here is the uh, the fact that now most department stores and stores alike are filled with cameras. Right. So that's and back then there was a ball game. Yeah, there was like nothing, virtually anywhere. Even a place like Sears maybe had a camera in the front. As soon as you walk in, exit type shit. Right. Or in a loading dock. See yourself. Yeah, some stuff like that. But there was no way that they were just like, oh, yeah, let's make sure we have it over here in this section, that section, toy section. And that's why stuff like this – this is really the first really big case of something like this happening. But that's why we all know and us in the later years learned that saying, don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. This, this is the reason we know that stuff, right? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, come on. Shit. First case. you know, Maybe, this, maybe back then because let's go back to uh, what Dean Carroll. That serial killer. I don't know if you know about him, but he was—he's uh, known as the Candy Man. And he was like the reason that you check your candy on Halloween. Razors to, and yeah, apples. Today. Still today, yeah. we check our candy. Yeah, it's kind we of taken like a urban legend type feel. It's weird, right? It takes one story to just make you think everybody does this. Yeah, and it makes it everybody makes people, paranoid. Yes, it makes people fucking terrified. But let's continue on with uh, kind of making them terrified because I'm going to... I did want to bring up one last thing, Patrick, before. Um, This has to do with, um, you know, Adam watching the kids play the video games and all that. But I don't know if if you read this in your information or not. But apparently it was about four kids playing the video games. And Adam was intrigued by it because at this point, video games were only in arcades. So now he's in Sears with his mom. And he's seeing right. this arcade game, he's seeing Atari, and he's watching these kids play the game. But apparently the kids that were playing the game had conflict with each other. And there was a security guard who was just, you know, just doing his part-time job, like a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. And he wanted to break up the conflict between the kids. And he kicked everybody out of the store, including Adam Walsh. Wow. So Adam Walsh was kicked out of the store, so it wasn't a case of... Of um, Otis coming by and sweeping up yeah. the kid and saying, "Come with me, kid." It was the kid was sent out of the store without anybody aware. 
without the parents oh. being without the mother being aware and Otis may have been just outside or dude and... the fucking guilt that security guard oh my god the guilt oh man everlasting so everlasting. that was just you know that was from a recent interview like two years ago from John Walsh that hadn't been known until kind of just a few years ago that that information Jeez. was not given yeah, that's nuts. That's nuts. Of so course that you would. Kind of changes the whole thing. Oh, it does. One hundred percent. Because now the kid's virtually alone. Right. And even he if sent he, out a six-year-old. Think about the witnesses. If there is a bunch of, if it's not just because if it's a group of kids, young kids, the kids as witnesses can't be reliable. Mm-hmm. At least back in nineteen eighty-one, they're not going to believe that their information has got is, you know, ha- has some validity to it. Yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, that's crazy. That's scary yeah. shit. Okay, so let's yeah. let's. I want to talk about uh. Let's talk about the, this Otis guy. You know, we have to mention him because, of course, he's the mainstay of this outside of Adam, which is fucked up because, like I said, look him up, guys. If you don't know what he looks like, just type in, you know. Dennis the Menace. Yeah, train, train Hopper. Christopher Lloyd, yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's exactly what he looks like. He really does. With short hair. And like I said, he does not look inviting. Uh, but Otis Tool was actually born in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, where this all kind of took place. You know, Hollywood, Florida, he was very – he was there. You know, this face was probably seen more than once. You know, he had committed crimes there before he left and, you know, spent time in Colorado and stuff like that. But nonetheless, he grew up to parents that were uh, – his dad was abusive. He was a drinker. Uh, when he was five years old, Otis's dad and friend actually exchanged cash for Otis to be raped. Uh, he was forced to wear a dress, and this is by his mom and his dad type of situation. And he was—he told he came out to his dad that he was gay when he was ten years old. Uh, his sister was also being abused by their parents. Uh, the only solace that he actually ever found was within his grandma, and this is Otis we're still talking about. And his grandma actually was not a great lady. She took him grave robbing, and. That's when he started to burn down stuff because grandma worshipped worshipped hell and the king of hell, I guess, is what they sort of quoted as saying. And this is when she taught him self-mutilation. Like I said, he started burning down stuff, so he really had a thing for fire. And the reason that I wanted to bring him up in here in, in more detail is just the fact that it's like it kind of made – I was trying to build this idea of what would have led Otis to just take a boy from a store, okay? His IQ is only 75. Uh, he was labeled yeah, as a pyro. Borderline. Yeah, he was labeled as a pyromaniac. So that's, that's why, like, just knowing that his IQ is 75, I, it makes you wonder the dialogue that took place between him and a six-year-old, as far as swaying him, convincing him. You know, he is Which only six, but still. Could be the same level. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, he was labeled a pyromaniac, but because of his uh, antisocial personality that was also diagnosed on him, it was changed to a serial arsonist because he was burning down so much shit. Uh, because of his low IQ and disorder, he was prone to seizures, and he dropped out of school in the ninth grade. And by the ninth grade year, you know, when nearly 14, 15 years old, uh, he committed his first murder because he decided to start prostituting because his dad was making money off of selling his body, so why shouldn't he make some money? And it didn't go well his first time. He ends up in the woods with some guy, and it doesn't go well. He ends up running over him with his own car. 
Otis was known to actually be a liar, a huge liar, and we're going to get deeper into that in a few more minutes. Uh, he claimed many, many things that he didn't actually do or that actually never fucking happened. Uh, the years of 66 to 73 are unknown completely as far as his biography goes, but uh, by 1974 he was all the way in Lincoln, Nebraska. So this is crazy because just knowing his timeline and where he was at this at this point in his life, you know, he's 27 years old, all the way in Lincoln, Nebraska, that's pretty far away from Jacksonville, Florida, Hollywood, Florida. Yeah, I don't... It seems like there was this small window of avoiding this completely, or it just being someone else, really. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's when you when you look at the big picture, you think, "Oh, this is such a small window," but things can happen in a small window. That's in time. true, and it, and it could have just been any of the other boys, whoever else was playing the game. You know what I mean? I took could have they took advantage of the most vulnerable because the other yeah. boys were like twelve and thirteen year olds. It was a six-year-old by himself. Yep. The other two boys, I get, I, um, according to John Walsh, it was two African Americans and there were two Spanish boys hmm. that were probably brothers. And then there's this white kid by himself. So, yep. vulnerable. Well, for sure. Uh, Otis was actually obsessed with porn. Like I said, this is all trying to figure out kind of what, what would have led him to uh, deciding to take Adam. What in his life you know obviously he's not a good dude from start uh his li home life wasn't great but it's, i'm trying to get to the point of like was he kidnapping people was he taking them to second locations and murdering them was he prone to taking children right uh, which doesn't seem to add up at this point no yeah yeah not not so far uh he actually fled from lincoln nebraska after he got he i don't want to say got but he uh committed his second murder and this victim had like 10 gunshots and it was a it was a woman who worked let me think uh she worked at a adult bookstore and he fled because of this because even though he supposedly somebody else got arrested for it, this guy named park something or other he got arrested for it because he sort of looked like this dude Otis. Mm. now that's that's fucked up that if sucks sort of, that you look like that. yeah exactly just looking a little <laughs> like this guy your life is over you might as well you're gonna have to work somewhere where I don't know, you wear a mask all day or something. <laughs> you could be a surgeon, I guess, if you just wear a surgical mask for a while. You know, you could be, make good money at least doing that. Is that or Disney. a clown, you know? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what are your options? A mascot? Anyways, um, uh, Otis actually fled at this point to Colorado. And in uh, September 19th... How the fuck is this guy getting around? Yeah, I don't know. These guys just had means His to money. Have, right? Yeah, driving and shit. And it, gets, it gets even weirder because uh, another robbery takes place where he's actually robbing people for money and it's like with the 75 iq i don't know how you got the gumption or the actual yeah. knowledge to, oh, to put together a, a robbery but he goes into a massage parlor after it's nearly closed because the the two people inside happen to work there and it's uh two women one's 36 and the other's 32 and they tell the man who enters you know hey you know, we're closed type of deal as you would if you forgot to lock the doors it happens a lot uh he ends up robbing the people of $60 which apparently wasn't enough because he proceeds to tie up the women and then he uses a knife to stab the first woman and you know just kill her and, and then grab or, or no stab the woman and then grab the other one take her into another room and rape her and then stab her and then he used a gun on her and then he set them on fire and proceeded to watch 
fucking monster. Fuck. It doesn't. Have, it, oh, oh, it's a good long pause right there because it doesn't. It gets weirder. Uh, not only did it sit there and watch, but uh, after the fire, the stabbing, and the gunshots, one of these women survives. Oh God. Yeah. Talk about a fuck. We wow. should, I, when I read that, I was like, this should have been her her episode for sure. As far as like, because our, our our original concept was about just surviving a situation right. like this, seeing this madman at his most you know nefarious, I guess. But uh. Yeah, she's uh, the one woman survives, and she actually gives a, a description of the man afterwards. He's six two. Uh, he's he's uh, clean shaven, uh, one hundred ninety pounds. The man actually, like I said, this other guy gets arrested. Uh, that's okay. I mix I mix up the two cases. Uh, the one that happened in Lincoln, Nebraska, he didn't mix up for someone else. This one, someone else is actually arrested. It was that Park Ellis guy, I think his name is. But uh, either way, I, I made. I made sure that I got this because I was curious if it had anything to do with the Adam Walsh case, but whoever did this massage parlor robbery drove a white pickup truck and he fled immediately out of town because obviously he, he was worried about speculation to this crime and being arrested for it because of the the description. It was him. But I, I wanted to see if the if a white pickup truck ever comes back into play later on. Or some kind of pickup truck does. Continuing on about Otis, just real quick, because it gets to this point in 1976 where he finally meets his uh, lover, I would say, in a lot of ways, Henry Lee Lucas. And at Love this a point, serial I, killer. Yeah, exactly. At this point, Henry Lee Lucas in 1976 had already been convicted of murder, and it's because he killed his mom as they argued over him taking care of her in her old age. What a deadly argument, right? Like, mom's yeah. like, listen, I changed your ass when you were a baby. And you'll be doing it for me someday. And he's like, nah, today's your last day. That. Yeah, what the fuck? And, and he, was, a, he apparently had is, a low IQ too. For sure. What is, I have to ask though, because there's always this, there's this, uh, consistency with these guys where they always have a third name. Other How come, what is Otis oh, Tool's oh. third name? You know, what else was it? What did he have another name? Do we know? Oh, well, I'll give him one. Yeah, Otis. Fuckhead. Fuckhead Tool. That's good. With a hyphen. And fucking a Tool. He's the fucking Tool. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, fucking. I got you. Uh, but Henry Henry Lee Lucas, cool. you know, that sounds... That, uh, Henry Lee Lucas, as far as most of the other guys, I mean, Theodore, uh, whatever, Bundy, I don't I know. Did he have... Yeah, did Theodore have one? They don't have I don't one. know. Theodore Moses Bundy. I don't know what his middle name <laughs> yeah. was. I don't know why I said Moses either. It's not biblical, guys. This is not about that. It has nothing to do yeah. with that at all. It's more traditional it of like having <laughs> the three. It's kind, yeah. it's kind of like in Child's Play, uh, Charles Lee Ray. Exactly. It, it makes Chucky. you wonder if if uh, there's a cer- if that sets you apart. It pushes you to another degree. Like the most horrific serial killers, because Jeffrey Dahmer. What was his? I know he had a middle name, but nobody says that. They just right. It's John oh, Wayne Gacy. I, I have a middle name. Do you have a middle name? I do. Oh, it so. is uh, It is no middle name. It's really uh, – it sucks. Oh. I'm having to tell people that. Oh. It's Patrick, no middle name Michael. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, my parents thought they were funny. Uh, <clears throat> thank God they're not here anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, moving on though, uh, obviously Henry, um, like we said, he had, he had commi- committed his first – he was already convicted of murder, right? In 1976, he was a convicted murderer when Otis met him. He was a bad dude already. Otis had already committed murders, but he had never been convicted of anything yet. So two different characters, obviously horrible characters to be put together. 
Um, is it so crazy just how they meet? Just yeah, comes together that way. He, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, it. It's gonna. It's it opened me up for some different questions to ask you uh, here eventually. But nonetheless, what I was gonna say is Henry uh, was supposed to serve, you know, a bunch of time. Uh, he only served ten years, and they released him due to overpopulation after he killed his mom. And then apparently he moved from a bunch of different relatives. He was living uh, you know, Uncle Jerry's house and, you know, Aunt Martha's mover. It's like, at that point, how could you be, like, I don't know, you're his family member and you're like, you killed your mom, but you can come stay with your aunt. No. Ugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're going to have to find someone. You're not sleeping on the couch, dude. I don't care. Oh, we not- killed your mom. Like, that's the close, I don't know, that feels like, I don't know, it's weird. Right? That's like yeah, not dealing with uh, mentally here. capable people. So yeah, it thinks and it's being just family, all right. you're like still kind of in that bloodline. You're like, well, what it comes down to is especially because of their argument. Just like, looking are... for, just yeah, looking for like some that. sexual companionship from a guy. That's, That's right. Uh, actually, a year later, after they had met, Henry was uh, arrested again for attempted kidnap of three young girls. But guess what? He was released again. He got to come home. Got to come on out. How fucking crazy. How many times do you have to... How many times does a guy have to do something like that? Before you're like... Sometimes I just don't get this criminal justice system. Because these people were to get off, but, you know, the moment that you or I were to do something, we'd be in jail for 30 years. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's just... Why did they... For sure. It's It's a ridiculous system. Oh, I know. And back then, it's like... You, you couldn't have known any less than or any more than you do now, right? In a certain in a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, virtually the laws have remained the same. <laughs> you know. Right. I mean, just some things more spotlighted than others. Obviously, For this sure. is a major case that changed things about children and yeah. kidnappings. That's right. And getting into that, let's 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 get a little deeper into the Adam Walsh kidnapping situation. Um, it was an abduction. Uh, he was taken. And as far as what Mike has said, he was taken after the security guard. You know, this is not just Mike saying it. He didn't write the article or from John Walsh documentary. Yes. This came from John Walsh. It wasn't like you were, you were there and you're just like, listen, this is how this happened. Okay. How old would you even have been? You wouldn't even have, you would have been two years old, right? Yeah. I was two. I was negative two. 1981. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so we like uh, brain damage sports, guys. If you haven't been able to tell, uh, we're not great at our math. Moving on. <laughs> I hope you. Di- I hope you didn't come here for good mathematics because I was you, pretty good at math. I was, good I was negative two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, okay. I'm not good at math. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, this all took place in Jacksonville, Florida, and the main the main reason this all happened, and Otis actually ends up back in Jacksonville, Florida, is because. Henry and Otis traveled to Delaware at a certain point when they finally met back up after Henry finally got back out of uh, prison after trying to kidnap those three girls. They meet up again, of course, and it's this love thing, and uh, Henry's – they're still kidnapping people. It's fucked up. Uh, there's a lot of shit that goes into this, and that's not what we're glorifying. Uh, Otis and Henry travel to Delaware with these two kids who are actually Otis's family members, uh, his niece and nephew, I believe. And Otis happened to get sick while they, while they were in Delaware. So Henry decides to fucking abandon him and take off with the two kids. And it's it's documented that Henry was d- 
doing things to the female of the two kids. I don't even know. She's young. Obviously, things were not good. But uh, Henry left with the kids, and Henry was imprisoned again in uh, July of 1981. July 22nd, to be specific, of 1981. So, I guess uh, July 27th was when Adam was taken. So, by saying that Henry was imprisoned at this point, is telling you that he wasn't there. Otis was by himself. And the reason that Otis ends up back in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, ends up in Hollywood, Florida, to be specific, is he was pissed. He was mad he got abandoned. He was mad at Henry. And he was looking, he was hunting. Oh, God. So we're going to turn this to a love story? It's going to be a love is quarrel? <laughs> yeah. That's why. I, I mean, I, yeah, we're going we're gonna to at least say that. <laughs> you know because I, mean? I don't want to get into too many details about the, yeah, they were not, they were, uh, they loved each other, sort of. It was there's so much grim details between them two together and the things that they were doing, like Henry and them them both kidnapping people, and you know Henry taking advantage of just what Otis would watch him rape a girl over and over again and get jealous type of shit, like oh you know I love you type of thing. It's gross. Um, but continuing on about this, he, the reason that Otis was pissed, so he goes to a highly, heavily populated area in Hollywood, Florida, and it's a Sears, uh, Sears like we had mentioned, a big uh, department store. Uh, he notices Adam, and I guess, like we had said, like Mike had said, happened to be outside. Apparently, Mom was uh, buying a lamp nearby when the security guard, as priorly mentioned, gave the kids shit and made him get out. And allegedly, Otis offers the boy candy, and Adam follows him to his car where the candy supposedly is. Now, instead of giving him candy, he just picks up Adam and throws him in his car. And at this point, Otis is 34 years old, so he's a grown man. Now, at the same off, time, John Walsh is 35 years old, give perspective. Yeah, yeah there you right go. Right around the same age as the father. Yeah, and while they're driving, Adam is screaming and saying, you know, uh, take me back to my mom, take me back to my mom, let me go, he's screaming, and uh, due to the frustration, Otis punches the kid and knocks him out cold, and what proceeds to happen is they drive to a, a secluded area, and I, I, I guess, to my best knowledge, is Adam was still unconscious, but Otis strangles him with a seatbelt, and then... Uh, he proceeds to, you know, take him out of the car. He beheads him and then incinerates the body. And I guess he proceeded to drive with the boy's severed head for a while, 120 miles to be specific, because that's when he finally throws the head over uh, into some water. What I can't, I don't know what water. Yeah, it's the canal. Yeah, and I don't uh, know exactly what body of water it was. No, but... me neither. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. I didn't know what yeah. to call. A body of water. Uh, the place of water. Out. I don't. What, it's called a body, <laughs> you idiot. No, I don't know math or words, so we're doing good. Um, but even prior to the decapitation, which is fucking horrible, and it just makes me feel like shit inside. Just ugh. Yeah. But he he raped he raped too. Oh. But that's the hour, uh, like hours. Now this is that. this is to our best knowledge because do we? I don't know for sure if he's the where this the case actually stuck. As far as the recent articles, right? I mean, the, as of recently, they said it was solved. So unless yeah. they pinned it completely on Otis, he made all of this shit up. Right? Yeah. 
And then, I mean, you can still go back and say that the security guard is certainly uh, someone to point fingers at by telling the kids to get out and Adam not going to his mom or the other kids not going to their parents and getting out of the store completely. There's a lot of a lot of fingers Somebody to point. else could have taken him easy, right? I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, but Otis having these details is what makes it kind of crazy because that was one of the first things when I, I heard about Otis Tool was how he drove around with this severed head in his car. And then I found out that it was linked to John Walsh and all of that. But uh, well, John that's Walsh, the thing. He, go ahead. Tool, he went to the police department and he felt guilty for whatever reason. And I don't know exactly why he would, but that kind of feeds into my why I think he's full of all bullshit. But for sure, according, for sure. to, according to police reports, is he went there and he gave them information that nobody else knew. About a six-year-old boy that had been decapitated and part of the body was found in one place and another part in a canal. And he became the prime suspect, or he became the main suspect and the one that they actually would go after. So that, that was so strange to me that he would go, all of a sudden, now he's going to start claiming murders. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is tied to this battle between Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool or Otis Tool of who's going to have the biggest kill list or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, the highest count, highest body right. count. Which, Can yeah, I imagine mean, if that's their relationship, is that oh, who's going who's gonna to kill yeah. more? It's so dark. It just to me, that's what makes everybody so interested in true crime is because you want to know, there's so much more, <laughs> there's way more cases in their head of things that they have done that nobody knows about but them only some of this stuff comes to light so that's why the interest is there because you're like how much everyone's waiting for the confessions right and these guys thrived in the confessions they took the liberty to say to state claim for crimes they didn't even commit and that's crazy that just shows you the level of crazy these two guys were and they were like a team yeah, and, and so much so, like you said, crimes that they didn't commit. We don't know that for sure, but it seems likely. And based on confession interviews that I've heard from Otis Tool, he sounds like a liar. Big for sure. Liar. It almost seems like, why would you want to stay claim for any of these anyways? But then right, again, well, these are not normal people. No, exactly. But even still, it just comes off as, yeah, I did this. Like, ugh. You're lying. Like, at that point, he's just trying to, like, add on to his list. Mm-hmm. Just to become more recognizable. And yep. that that is the thing. That is something that killers want. They want notoriety. They want to be better than others. They're going to jail. They're already lifetime sentences and shit. They want recognition. Well, shit that they didn't do, but just to be recognized as a figure in American history. American That's serial right. killer history. The obscure history, I guess you'd say. Ugh. But it is a learning experience, as we've kind of priorly mentioned, about don't talk to strangers, don't take candy from strangers. All of those things kind of come hand in hand with these situations that happen because of not knowing those things. So it is a learning experience in a lot of ways for people who do educate themselves to a certain degree about this stuff. Right. Otherwise, it just goes in one ear and out the other, and it's pure entertainment for people. Right. But you can't let it over you you can't let it be afraid to let your kids go outside 
can't let it. You just can't let it consume you because then you'll be paranoid and that's, that's not right. the way. You can't live your life that way. No, you can't think that every single person has a agenda, a bad agenda, I guess you'd say. But uh, they did make. They have made some films about Adam, and obviously there's been a lot of other things that have went into. Adam Walsh. Uh, this it was a television film called Adam, and it premiered October tenth, nineteen eighty three. It was based on a yeah, for that. sure. Yeah, that's that's scary as shit. Uh, that's like one kid, of those Saturday morning movies that they used mm-hmm. to have. A lot of people saw that probably didn't want to see it. Just happened to be on TV, but uh, it had broadcast three times in nineteen eighty three, eighty four, and eighty five, and they were followed by pictures and descriptions of missing children. So Lisa went to that degree to like, hey. You know, keep an eye out. A hotline was also accredited to take calls regarding them. Uh, the pictures and hotline were ultimately credited to finding a number of missing children. Thirteen of the 55 children shown in the 1983 broadcast were located. It's awesome. Fan- yeah, that's fantastic. It's it's good when there is some good that comes from situations like this. You know, it, it takes a bad situation. I, I, really what it takes is one situation to change things, right? A, a highly publicized, I guess you'd say. Well, it takes a father like John Walsh to... For sure, yeah. That not too, just that be helps. one of the fathers that, oh, I'll let the police handle it. He recognized mm-hmm. right away the police aren't doing jack shit, so I need to take I need to take control here. It's my kid. That's right. So. Like uh, American rapper Busy Bone, who's uh, <laughs> part of... Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay, yeah, he's part think? of... Bone Thugs and Harmony, if you don't know the group, it's a famous rap group, I believe introduced to the game by Eazy-E, but American rapper Busy Bone was actually abducted by his stepfather when he was a kid. He was uh, eventually reunited with his mother after after a neighbor recognized a photo of him shown at the end of the 1983 broadcast. What a weird connection there. Absolutely strange. This uh, case definitely changed some laws, changed a lot of laws. Actually, like we said, it was a, uh, you know, Lord Adam. Mm-hmm. It's a program actually for uh, used to help locate lost children in department stores. So whenever, yeah, well, America's Most Wanted. It's yep. Uh, put the, a spotlight every Saturday night at eight o'clock on Fox. Mm-hmm. The uh, U.S. Coast. Congress passed the uh, Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act. In uh, July 25th of 20, uh, 2006, excuse me, uh, President Bush signed it into law on the 27th, so another 27th there. Uh, uh, South Lawn of the White House, that's when it all took place, and John and Reeve was actually there. Or, uh, that's her name, I don't know how to say her name, the mom's name. Jeve. Uh, yeah, something. Like <laughs> but there's a lot of things that have went actually, you know, this changed a lot of... Uh, it saved a lot of lives as well, but it also changed the game when it came to finding and the actual dedication to locating these kids when they do go missing. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying about how your parents or your mom or whoever would let you go in the store and just be like, hey, meet us back here. That was the time. normal thing. Exactly. And it's because you there's a certain level of trust that you have in the people that are employed at the store. You know, the authorized people that are all wearing the same color shirts. It's like you hope that they're paying enough attention to assume that, hey, that's not the guy that he came in with. Or now that they have all the cameras and stuff. And it goes hand in hand with the schools, playgrounds, things like that. Easy places for, a ran- sadly enough, a random stranger to be lurking. All right, same thing at playgrounds. 
You're on uh -huh. playgrounds with your kids. You're expecting that you know every other adult is looking out for all the kids. Yes, it know, is, uh, that it if some random place. creepy dude is around, he doesn't fit in, and you know, yeah. and you get your eye on him. Especially, like I said, and it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning about these guys just did not look like they look like Cretans. You know, Otis looks like a Cretan. Look at any interview or any photograph of this man. It's like you know he's up to no good. He looks like a, a dude that's up to no good. But apparently, like uh, back to what I was saying about how they had him and Henry Lee Lucas had split up. Apparently, he had went on to continue working after several crimes, just waiting for Henry to get out of prison. Like, how crazy to think that someone's just hiring this dude. Was he using an alias? I don't know. You know what I mean? A dude that looks kind of sketchy. Why would you not be checking a little harder into his background? Or <laughs> I don't know. Seems strange. Yeah. This case may seem solved, but there's so much up in the air still about it. That's right. Let me... In terms of tool and even lucas's part in it like these guys mm -hmm. have like kind of delusional too at times oh so, yeah who knows what the hell they're talking about the education level too of both of these guys is not high not high and they both had similar home lives you know where their parents weren't uh well, yeah they got the molestation they all right, so let's just let me say this here. The suspect who we've been mentioning over and over, uh, Otis Tool, uh, he made a deathbed confession. He had twice confessed to killing the child, but later recanted. He claimed responsibility for hundreds of murders, as we've, uh, I don't know if we've mentioned it, but yes, he, he claimed, like we said, he's a liar. He was. Right, sound like bullshit. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hundred, he claimed hundreds of murders, but police determined most of the confessions were lies. Tool's niece told the boy's father, John Walsh, her uncle, confessed on his deathbed in prison that he killed Adam. Police said Tool was long the prime suspect in the case. They had conclusively linked him to the killing. They declined to be specific about the evidence and noted that the, there was no DNA proof of the crime, but said an extensive review of the case file pointed only to Tool as John Walsh long contended. That's what we said. You know, it makes the most sense, but it is like it's, it just makes circling back to what we've been saying. Just that dude coming up to you in any situation and be like, "This guy does not. He looks shady." Yeah, but a, yeah, the six-year-old doesn't know, and six-year-old right. run out on the corner of the too, mall. People probably were pretty dirty. <laughs> looking in, <laughs> he's, he's not, he's not noticing. Oh yeah, this guy's dirtier than my dad. So right, you know, he's all um, right. But Adam's death and his father's subsequent activism on his behalf helped put faces on milk cartons, shopping bags, mailbox flyers, and started fingerprinting programs and increased security at schools and stores, like we've mentioned. It spurred the creation of missing persons units at every large police department. It you know, in his name, he, in a lot of ways. He changed the game. He's really the did. unsung hero of it all. And, That's right. I mean, it's, it's probably one of the greatest victim slash survivor stories that will ever be told is the yep. Walsh family and the fact that John Walsh was able to not there's kind it of wasn't, ending, if that makes sense right yeah it came out to a good ending yeah it took years uh, but he stayed at it he helped many families solve their own tragedies and another part of it is it, and that, that helps that too. Mentally, too. It really does. 
it really helps too, you know, mentally, because of, of course, like I said, he had a resting dick face. He looks mad all the time, but helping and solving these other crimes or other missing children situations really have to kind of put a damper on how he feels about the fact that he lost his own kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just being able to be that guy. Like, yeah, I helped. We helped my team. We did that. You know, it's got to feel good. Right. Well, another unknown thing or not like an unsung thing is that he and his wife, they had to go through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, imagine being the husband and your wife goes with your kid and then your son's gone. How are you going to feel towards your wife initially as right. the husband? You're going to sure. place blame. You're going to mm-hmm. be pissed. You're going to be mad. But It'd be the same in reverse. Right. Either way. And they worked through it. Yep. And they've been married ever since. The thing that it really... The, they it didn't break up. To. And, and one last thing is that apparently the statistics show that people that lose a child that kind of way... Mm-hmm. death or abduction parents split within a year or two years yeah and the Walsh family stayed together and they went on to have four or five more kids after that yeah so, so there is success a success story yeah there is a, a true a, family right there a bridge to the over the horizon or what I don't know there's a saying that I was looking for but I can't figure it out the point of the show guys is to to acknowledge and, and shed light on on the, some of the good that can come from being a victim as well as just looking at these victims as people, you know, rather than oh, this is a part of just Otis Tool's body count. No, fuck that. Fuck Adam him. Walsh, yeah. Adam, yeah, exactly. Adam Walsh has done so much more. I mean, even since he's been gone, his name continues to live on and change lives because of the organizations founded by his father. And that's, that's amazing. Doesn't happen in every single case, you know. Doesn't happen. Just doesn't. Right. Who's to say, like, you know, if Adam Walsh survived, the Walsh family would have lived on happy with Adam and everything. And then, uh-huh. you know, somewhere else, say in Texas, kid got kidnapped, adopted, killed. Yeah. The father doesn't do what John Walsh did and exactly. doesn't lead to the same kind of Anything. changes. Yeah, nothing. And it basically no. just continues. Right. And that's the, that's the, like I said, that's the, the fine lining that we find here on our show and that's what we're going to continue to try to do just to keep uh you know obviously we have to look at the bad guys you know that is part of these people becoming victims or becoming survivors and uh we're not trying to glorify them at all in fact we're we're basically shitting on them and we have predominantly yeah yeah uh they're not good people whatsoever these uh these perpetrators of course but there is a lot of true crimes that kind of do it in reverse where they would rather you know glorify the fact that this guy has you know, 300 bodies on his name or whatever that he claims. Yeah, he says 600. Yeah, bullshit. He's a liar. Yeah, insanity. Insanity. To have a 75 IQ, that's a lot of work to be putting in. You know, I don't know how... I don't know if you noticed, but in some documentaries I've seen, they show his handwriting, and his handwriting is pristine. I don't know, like, 75 IQ, and he's writing, like... I don't know if you know, but I'm a teacher. That's what I do. And, um... I read kids' handwriting every day, and his handwriting is some of the best that I've seen. Maybe it's just a sign of the times, like they did good handwriting classes back in the day, back in the 70s. All right, so maybe it's just a sign of the times that, you know, the handwriting back in the 70s, they, they focused on it and taught it a lot, but he had some damn good handwriting. 
and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Where'd you see his handwriting, though? I didn't. Yeah, it was a documentary that showed a handwritten letter that he wrote to John Walsh. Okay. About yeah, I killed your son, all wow. that. So yeah. yeah, he was he was severely uh, fucked up by this. Yeah. Mental, uh, which is strange because he did commit other crimes, at right. least allegedly, and he got. Yeah, but even to still, part of it makes me think that this would be the crime that kind of puts him over into being on an echelon of killers list mm -hmm. because America's Most Wanted was already a huge thing at this point. Mm -hmm. So the connection with John Walsh and Adam Walsh, like, oh, I'm going to capitalize on that. I yeah. want to be the one that is the killer because this puts me above Henry Lee Lucas, my lover, and all that. Yep. So. It's all about their... Uh... And that's why I say we try to take another look at it from, uh, you know, kind of talking a little bit more about the victims and and the untimely situations rather than these fucking guys. And and how I mean, obviously we have to talk about them. You know, it comes with the yeah. territory. It's a true crime podcast. But and we know, we is... we should also just point out not that anyone needs us to point out that we're just a couple guys just talking bullshit about that's things right. that we're interested in. We're not experts. Not a we're not yeah. right. We're not psychologists. <laughs> we're not detectives. We're just two guys that are interested in. That's right. Want to so talk wanna... about things and want feedback from you guys that like the same shit we like. That's right. Uh, like minds, you know, we're very interested in this stuff. So if you want to start a conversation with us, man, where can they do that at? They can do it at VictimsCast on Twitter at VictimsCast. That's right. All are welcome, man. Always willing to talk. And, you know, if you guys want to help us uh, pick up some cases, man, you got a story of your own. As I told in the introduction, you know, I had a suggest, similar. Too. That's right. Exactly. Anything you want to suggest or stories of your own, you know, we're, we're taking all all things because this is in the infancy stage, man. We just uh, we just started. Uh, we both have our other shows as well, but this is a this is a infancy stage podcast, and we're gonna just keep doing it and keep trying to make it better and progress forward and entertain you guys as much as possible, as well as ourselves, because this is very interesting to me. Yeah, I enjoy Can't it. Help find yourself in a rabbit hole, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, guys, don't forget to contact us on Twitter, man. We're down to conversate with all the listeners, even the, the first few that have listened to the introduction episode, but. Uh, yeah, like we said, this is uh, in a lot of ways a comedy podcast, and we're going to look at things, try to shed some light, make a light of the situations, but we're not going to denigrate victims or anything like that. That is not the point of the show. I just want to reiterate that because there could be some people out there that look at this wrong, and that's not, you know, we just want to make sure that it's on the record, okay? It's been said. Also, I got one more rec uh, recommendation for everybody out there is... Based on what we just talked about, there is a movie that you should go back and watch. If you're, if you're interested in what we talked about today, it's not totally linked to Adam Walsh, but it has to do with Henry Lee Lucas and Otis Tool. There is a movie out there called Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. It was made back in the 1980s. As it was actually released in like 1990 or 1991 mm -hmm. in the U.S. And it stars Mike, uh, Michael Roker as Henry. And he's from The Walking Dead. First season of Walking Dead. And, and Infinity War. Yes, yes. Yep. Guardians he, of the Galaxy. No, yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. And that's available on Amazon Prime. So it's free if you got Amazon. So that's right. That check out. it out. It's uh, interesting, to say the least. Like, these are yeah, one of the pretty, few, uh, You don't hear very often about creep, uh, serial killers that are trying to claim 
crimes they weren't a part of whatsoever. But and these, that's these what Otis saw yeah. Otis and Henry did. That's right. Basically. Well, this has been great, man. I, I had a good time on the first official episode, first official one, and uh, plan to have plenty more, man. We're going to be trying to do this and get episodes out for you guys every Monday. Is that what we agreed on? Monday? Yeah, every Mondays, Mondays for right? You? Yeah. That's right. So Monday is 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't know how that goes, but I always wanted to say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we'll be here Mondays, I think. We'll be trying to do it for Mondays, depending on how long the episodes go and uh, my editing ability. So here we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, I am Patrick. I am Mike. So long. And this has been the Victims Podcast, man. Thanks for listening.